Welcome to the To Be Honest podcast. Um, today we have Julia Steele. Uh, she is a singer and songwriter from the Bay Area who has used music as a way to heal herself from depression and PTSD that stemmed from a traumatic car accident she experienced as a teenager. Um, today she, will, she still uses music for her own self-care, but she also uses it as a tool to help others who have, have experienced similar mental health issues. So please welcome Julia to the podcast. <laughs> Hi, it's great to uh, finally meet you. Um, I'm so excited to be here today and to talk about my experience and maybe help some people along the way. Yeah, thank you for being here and sharing your story. I'm excited for you to share it with myself and everyone listening. So um, before we start, um, I want to ask every guest, uh, to be honest, how are you doing today? To be honest, I'm pretty nervous to share my experience because I haven't really been super open about it, um, especially through the internet. So this is kind of a first for me. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully we can make you feel as comfortable as possible. I know it, I'm, yeah, I'm sure it's very nerve wracking, but um, I think a lot of people will benefit from hearing your story. So uh, I'm excited for you to share it. Um, so to start off, um, would you mind just touching a bit on your um, the car accident that kind of triggered your experience with a mental illness? Yeah, so um, basically I was in a car accident at the age of 14. Um, at first I didn't remember what happened, so I basically woke up all of a sudden in the hospital Um, and like, I had a really horrible pain in my head. My chest was all scraped up from the seatbelt. Um, and my insides were like burning and I was like, what the heck just happened? Um, but I was like on a bunch of drugs and stuff like morphine and whatnot. Um, and I looked up at my mom and, and, um, I was like, what happened? And like the doctors and they were like, you were in a car accident, a really bad car accident. Um, And like, I was just like, what? Like, what is going on? Um, And just my head was not there because I kept going in and out of consciousness um, because I had a concussion. Um, So basically, they were going to airlift me over to Oakland Children's Hospital, but a storm came. Um, It was actually raining during the accident. Um, And eventually... I was told by everybody what happened in the accident. So basically uh, my boyfriend at the time, he turned left on a red at an intersection and a car T-boned on my side. Um, Yeah. So the car caved in. I now have like a dent in my head um, and other stuff. I can, I can go over that in a bit. Um, But yeah, I was eventually taken to Oakland children's hospital um, where they put me on the surgery floor for internal bleeding because I had a cut spleen. Um, they told me I had a stage four concussion. Um, but then eventually, um, they realized I didn't need surgery. I was moved to a normal room. I had a great support system when I was there. Um, and you know, they were, they were treating me for my physical wounds. Um, I didn't realize like what, mental wounds were going to come up later on. But when I got out of the hospital, that was when things started to get bad mentally. Um, I was recovering for two weeks 
at home. And then I was sent back to my classes and I couldn't remember any of my guitar that I learned um, or anything from my classes, really. It was, it was really scary. Um, and my teachers at my school were super impatient with me. Um, I had really bad grades. I had irritability. I couldn't focus on anything. Um, and it was so frustrating. And, and my resentment started building toward my ex. Well, now ex. Um, and, you know, he kind of denied me sympathy from people when they would like say, I'm so sorry this happened to you. He, he, he felt guilty, which is totally understandable. Mm-hmm. And then I went through like bullying from other girls. Um, and it just got to be way too much. And I, I ended up being homeschooled for the end of my freshman year of high school where I saw a, a, psych, or a neurologist and a neuropsychologist. And I was then diagnosed with PTSD, depression, and anxiety from the accident. And I've been living with it ever since. Oh, wow. So at what point did you, did you, well, when you first started experiencing symptoms of PTSD and depression, did you know who to reach out to? Or was it your own doing, I guess, to uh, find help? Or were your parents kind of supportive in that manner? Actually, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a name for it when I first started experiencing it. I, I was just like, what is going on with me? Like, I'm so unbelievably angry. Like I, I was so irritable. I had these crazy outbursts, crying fits, and I I just could not control it. Um, it, It was just out of my control at that point. And, and nobody knew what to do with me. My teachers didn't know what to do. My, my parents didn't really know what to do. And, I would ask them, you know, like, like, help me, please. And they were super supportive and and got me the help I needed. But it's like, when you don't know what it is, it's it's scary. I'm sure. Yeah, I can't imagine. Especially, it sounded like you were around 14 when this all happened. And at that point, you're still young and developing and I mean, I, at that age, I didn't know what mental health was even. So I'm sure that's super scary and unfamiliar at that age. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so when you received your diagnosis, how did that make you feel? Um, you know, it actually helped to validate me. And, and it was relieving to have a word for what I was going through. Um, or a few words, I guess, like a few diagnoses. Um, and yeah, it was, it was relieving because I didn't feel like there was actually something wrong with me. Like it, it made me feel like I'm normal. I can look this up. There's other people who are going through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. so great that even though a mental illness is really scary and unfamiliar to people, it's something that kind of bonds you to other people and their experiences, even though each experience is so different, it still is like a common, I don't know. I don't want to say like a common trauma, but it does kind of like bond you with someone else and you can relate to other people with a mental illness. I think most of a different way. Yeah. Um, so as you continued with, um, getting treatment, um, was there a point where you um, felt the stigma around mental illness? Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, mostly with my school. Uh, my neurologist and neuropsychologist were like 
floored by the way that that my school was was treating me. They treated like me like I don't know, like like they had never seen something like like me before. Like I was this troubled child that had so many issues and it was just an inconvenience for them. Um, and, and it, it was just like, I was thrown aside a lot. Uh, they, they just didn't want to have to deal with it. A lot of my teachers, you know, would yell at me for, um, asking for, for help. It was just ridiculous. Um, and then other students, um, I mean, they were, they were 14, 15. They, they were like, I don't know, we were all kind of immature already. So, so they didn't understand like why I was acting the way I was. And, and, you know, if I was in their shoes, I I would feel the same way. It's like, what the heck is going on with this girl? She is causing so many problems, but I, I couldn't deal with it any other way. I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. It's interesting I can't imagine being like a friend at that age. Like not, I wouldn't know how to support someone um, going through something like that. Do you have any advice to people at that age who may have a friend going through something? Um, Is there anything that you would tell them that they could do? You know, I I would say like, it's normal to feel uncomfortable. I think with the subject because of the way that like society treats it. So, so it's, it's good to get out of your comfort zone and to um, talk about it with them. And like, yeah, it might be like weird and like, yes, uncomfortable for you, but like it makes a world of difference to just like hear somebody out. And, And sometimes they won't even approach you and ask for help. But like, if you just say like, Hey, like, I've noticed that it seems like you're going through something like, do you need any help? Like, do you just want to talk about it or do you just want to sit with me? You know, like, like we, we can just sit together. We don't even need to talk about it. Like just that would be nice sometimes. Yeah. And, oh, and, and triggers, like that's a big thing is like discussing triggers is, is so important because those build over the day or like, weeks. So like something may, might happen and you don't realize that it, um, awakens an emotion that you've had buried. And, um, if your friends, you know, get to know your triggers, it's actually really important. I think Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's great advice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, I think it's interesting. You touched on how your teachers kind of saw your what you were going through as like a behavior issue. And it seems like, at least from my perspective, I've seen a lot of mental illness or mental health issues seen as behavior issues rather than looking beyond like what's happening and actually realizing there's something going on within the person's mind that is out of their control. I think that's really interesting. So thank you for bringing that up too. Yeah, of course. Um, So I know you mentioned at one point that you – um, 5150 yourself. Would you mind talking a bit about what that is um, and what that process was like? Yeah. So um, I hope I get this correct. I mean, I was 15 when I, when I did it, but I, I basically, I asked the hospital, I, I called in, I think, and I was like, I need to go in like for my mental health. And when you do that, they send you into, or, or basically when you're at risk, 
uh, for like suicide. Uh, you go in and uh, they they basically make you sign all these waivers. And uh, if you're underage, your parents sign it off as well. And, and they, they kind of gloss over what is going to happen. They're like, you're not going to be able to be in contact very much. Um, and we are going to take over from here. Um, you know, my parents, they didn't want to do that because they were afraid I was scared, but, um, you know, they were like, you know, we need to get her as much help as she needs. And and, and I was like, I want to do this. Like I need to, I need to go to the hospital. I didn't understand that, like what that entailed and how bad the system is. Like it is absolutely awful. Uh, like I, I went in thinking that they would help me. And like the moment that I was away from my parents, like they didn't let me say goodbye to them. They put a security guard at my door. Um, and like, they took everything away from me. Um, all like physical items pretty much. And then like, I showed up late at night and I was put into a shared room with a stranger. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't know this person. It's so uncomfortable. Um, and then they don't have a door to the bathroom. It's like, um, it's like a, what's it? Curtain. Um, and, and they force everybody to take medication. People have bad reactions to it. Um, and then they tell you that you're going to be outside for a couple minutes or like not a couple minutes. They tell you that you'll be outside for like a few hours a day. And, and I was there for three days and they literally had us go outside for like a couple minutes. It was insane. Um, there were there were so many things that were just ridiculous that they put, that they put me and these other kids through. Like, and I say kids because we were kids. Um, we were like these teenagers. We don't we don't know what we're doing. We're just reacting to how how scary the world is. And and like the workers, some of them would yell at us and like threaten us with solitary confinement if uh, people acted up. But of course, kids are going to be angry, you know, like they're being forced into staying in this place and, and, and they think that they're going to be getting help, but they're not. They're not. They're just forced to like consume these medications. And it, it's it's so sad the way that they treat them. Sounds very isolating to say the least. Yeah, I mean, like, you're allowed visitors. Like my parents came and then one of my friends came. Um, but like they, they put on a face for them. They'll, they'll pretend it's like a good place. Like they're, they're giving you help. Um, but, but the one thing that came out of that, that was really good is it got me in touch with a, uh, psychiatrist. Um, and so like the psychiatrist, they, they can prescribe you medication and, um, it, it did help me a lot with um, my symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, but it was just, it was a lot to have to go through, especially at that young of an age. Yeah, I can't yeah. even imagine. Um, I kind of wanted to ask, and I don't know if you'll have the answer to this, but I'm just curious, since you've been through that process, how would you go about changing the system now so that youth who were in your similar position don't have to go through that. Is, do you think that there's a solution to that? Um, 
I definitely think that there needs to be more funding. Um, I, I'm not sure how much funding they get, but I, I can almost guarantee it's it's not enough because that's usually the case for like why things are that bad. Um, they need to have more regulations for sure. Um, like probably background checks on, on the workers, um, better trading for them. They need more empathy, man. They need more empathy. Um, and, and trading people for different conditions. Like they basically funnel, they put everyone in the same place for everything. Like people might have, uh, drug abuse problems, um, I don't know, various mental illnesses and they basically treat them all the same exact way, put them through the same exact program. um, And they make you fill out these like journals all the time and they feed you all the same food as well. So someone might have a, an eating disorder. um, So they will feed everyone assuming that everyone might have one. Um, Wow. Yeah. Sounds intense. Um, I, yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I guess, yeah, three days probably felt like, I don't know, a week, probably longer, just because you were trapped inside, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, but from that point, what was your treatment like after being 5150s? Um, I, I was put in touch with like this psychiatrist uh, and he sucked. I mean, like, I'm, I'm glad I like was put in touch with one. Like I, I started seeing one. I'm pretty sure like it was like I needed to at that point. Um, and, and uh, I mean, that's fine. Like I, I, I did need it, but um, yeah, he was, he was terrible. He, he kind of just like signed off on things and, and didn't care about how I felt about anything. Um, but then the second psychiatrist that I got from them, um, I requested him instead. Cause I was like, this guy sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he was better. He also lacked a lot of empathy. Every time I walked in, he's like, you're getting really skinny and, and assumed that I like had an eating disorder or something. And, and, you know, that's something serious that, that people go through. And, um, if I had been going through that, I, I, I haven't had one, but if I had, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. First of all, uh, just like the lack of empathy is just like, it, it floors me. Yeah. I, you would think that people working in that field would have the most empathy <laughs> considering the circumstances, but it sounds right. like, I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning would be for, I think, like you said, maybe a lack of training um, and yeah. Yeah, just lack of empathy. I'm sure there's people who work in that field that are great people. Like I'm, I'm so sure. And I did meet a couple of people that like made the experience a little bit better, but for the most part, it was just hell. I know music has been a large part of your life. Um, So would you mind talking about like how you first became interested in music um, and then kind of how that's helped your healing process along the way? Yeah. So, um, Music has always been a big part of my life because my um, grandparents and my mom were professional opera singers. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Super, super cool. Super, a different experience than um, like what most kids might have. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's definitely been like a huge part of my upbringing. Um, we used to have like classical music all the time around us as, as children, me and my brother. Um, but I didn't start like writing music until I was 14. Um, I had been in band since I was like 10, but, but yeah, like the, the writing part came much more, uh, after my accident. And it was like basically a form of therapy for me, a way of, of getting my thoughts and emotions onto paper and turning something that was so awful into something positive for me, a creative outlet. Um, and uh, I, I joined, I made a band with my, my friend I made at school. His name was Cameron. Uh, he's incredible, incredible mu- musician. And uh, my mood started improving. I, I still had a lot of problems, but I was able to communicate my emotions to people and people would listen to me because I was on a stage like they were basically like forced to, to listen, which kind of sounds bad, but like it, it was what I needed. Like, I was yeah, like, yeah. Yes, please listen to me. <laughs> you have a platform to, you know, say whatever yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was able to like sing this poetry and like sing about things that were kind of taboo to talk about. Uh, like, you know, I don't need to go into detail about it, but, um, yeah, things that were, were looked down upon to talk about with like people on a regular basis. So yeah, and it helped me make friends. It, it just really helped me connect with people on another level. Yeah. Do you guys still have the band today or is that, have you moved on to doing solo stuff? So the band was called Record Line and we came out with an album um, when I was 16 and uh it's on like streaming services and stuff but um no we we ended the band in 2016 i believe yeah so uh, i was 18 when we ended it and then i was i kept writing on my own like singer songwriter stuff and then i formed another band called the jukebox breakers um but that ended up not really working out um because we were all like in our early twenties trying to um, deal with school at like college was so stressful. It's hard to find time sometimes, but uh, now I'm making my own stuff. I came out with my EP at the beginning of this year. Congratulations. Um, thank, That's you. Exciting. thank you so much. Yeah. And I'm currently writing some new stuff, but um, I still use it as, as therapy for me. 100%. Mm-hmm. That's really great. And do you, and I kind of mentioned you help others too through music. Is that usually through um, like the words in your music or is that through teaching people to play instruments or what, how do you help other people? Um, I like to think that I help people with the, the words that I sing. Um, I've kind of been like trying to calm people through like the way I play guitar as well. Like I, I choose to play a classical guitar because it's a nylon string because I feel like it's much more soothing for me and other people. And I really like, 
I, I've been trying to like play some like nice soothing covers on my Instagram just because it's such a stressful time right now. Like the world is already stressful enough. And right now, like people are just like at their breaking point. Um, but yeah, like, like words, I, I hope people listen to my words for my, my originals because I, I do write them with other people in mind as well. Not, not only like my own healing. That's really cool. Yeah. I think it's interesting how, I don't know if you've experienced this, but like my fiance, he listens to like the beat of songs and I'm more listening to like words of songs. So that's how we like have our musical preferences. (laughs) So I don't know if that's normal, but I was like, Oh, I I'm sure like some people listen to your words. Like, you know, they love your music for your words and some people love your music for the sound of it. And some people love it for both. So I think that's really cool how, you know, you can like music in all different ways and you're kind of catering to that too. Sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, actually me and my, my bandmates laugh about this because like they'll put on a song and I won't know what it is until the lyrics come in a lot of the time. And like, they know like that, like they know right away what song it is, who it was by. I'm just like, uh, I don't know this. Yeah. <laughs> and so the singer comes on. So yeah. Like, everyone has like their different thing that they're listening to. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um. Do you know specifically what the positive benefits are of listening to music or playing music or, yeah? Um, you know, scientifically, I think it, it helps with endorphins. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that it's like a meditation thing. Like, at least for me, like, listening um, or not listening to it. I mean, yes, listening, but um, mostly playing my guitar. Because it's like, I'm able to kind of like go somewhere else mm-hmm. and just like let my fingers play whatever comes out. And I like playing like the same thing over and over. A lot of people around me probably don't like that, but <laughs> it's like nice and it helps me to just be inside myself. and. Mm-hmm. It sounds, yeah, it sounds almost like it's a, I don't want to say mindless because obviously your brain is working, but it's almost like, I don't know, like for me, it's like washing the dishes. Like I know what I'm doing already. So it's like, yeah. just like a mindless activity where I can, it's like calming for me. I don't know. Right. It sounds similar <laughs> to yeah. you playing music. That, that's a good way to, to talk about it because like, I think, I, I'm not sure about this, but I think every musician has like their like warm up, their that they do. Um, and for me, my warm up is what really like, I love playing it over and over because it's what I know the best and it like helps me calm down. So I guess it would be a little bit mindless in a way. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's soothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give to someone experiencing mental health issues right now? Oh man. Um, definitely put yourself first. Um, don't let the opinions of others guide what is ultimately best for you. Um, like I said earlier, know your triggers and let others around you know them because a lot of the time people don't know when they're triggering something in you um, and they're not meaning to hurt you. Uh, so it, it's good to let them know and, and also be patient with people because it may be a new subject for them or just like, a new experience for them to try to, um, you know, change how they act around you. Um, and also like, don't beat yourself up for going back to old behaviors. Like 
I know like healing is not linear. You're going to have your up days and down days. And and sometimes it's going to last for weeks. Um, something really bad might happen or a really big trigger might happen. And, and it, it may seem like a setback, but it's not. Definitely. I like that advice. That's great. Um, do you feel like there's something positive that's come from going through your whole experience from the car accident to um, being in the hospital to seeking treatment? Um, what's something positive that's come out of this? Um, definitely my music. That That's like number one for me. Um, I think it has improved so much. I feel like it has given me um, another kind of, I don't, I don't know. I, I would say like wisdom. Uh, it aged me early on, um, which is a blessing and a curse. But, but uh, as far as like the blessing, I, I guess it's like helped me find my purpose in life um, and develop empathy for other people because I know a lot of people end up going through these things or something similar. Um, and I think like it's helped me have deeper connections with other people because of that. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious what you want to do with music in the future. Are there plans for more, um, coming out with more records or EPs or, uh, yeah, what's your plan? Yeah. So, um, I'm, I actually have been playing with my, my old band, the jukebox breakers, um, I mean, it's not my band. Like we, we are a band. <laughs> um, yeah. So we have recorded a single, um, and I also have a bunch of music that I've been working on over quarantine mostly. And it's just been really a time for me to reflect on my emotions and what, what's happened to me in the past few years and, and just like my lifetime. And so, yeah, I'm going to be coming out with, with new stuff eventually. Um, and hopefully when venues open, um, I'll be able to perform, but you know, I I can do that on Instagram live or something. (laughs) That's true. I'm sure it's a little bit of a different feeling like performing live than it is virtually, but yeah, all in good time. I know I'm missing live music a lot too. So, oh yeah, fingers crossed to get back to some kind of normalcy soon. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also like that you touched on reflecting over this whole period of like shelter in place and COVID. Um, I think that's really important because a lot of times we tend to look at the negatives and like, well, there are a lot of negatives. I think there are some positives to come from it. It's nice to kind of look, take a second to like breathe and take a step back from like your everyday busy life and actually reflect on your experiences and this past year and really can kind of like plan for the future, which I think is kind of a cool, cool outlook on, on this whole, you know, eight months of shelter in place. Yeah. Most definitely. I I think it's definitely a time for us to reflect and develop things that we may not have had the time for. Uh, Would you mind sharing before we, we wrap everything up? Um, maybe something that you do every day for self-care, something you do every week that's not the everyday. Um, yeah, I, I take CBD every day. Um, and I also, I, I really like roller skating now. <laughs> um, it's not every day, but, um, 
I also, I do see a therapist regularly over Zoom, Um, but that's also not every day. I don't, I don't have the money for that. I know a lot of people don't, but um, I also go through my school for for therapy. Um, There's a lot of like really great programs that, that colleges um, help with for that. Um, I try to um, take care of myself. Self-care is important. I, I think like, if you just get up out of bed and like wash your face first thing in the morning, it will make you feel like 10 times better. No, no matter, no matter how, how depressed you are um, or how much anxiety you have, it, it definitely improves it at least a little bit. Definitely. I think that's some great, some great tips, some great advice. Where can people find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram uh, if they, I think you can search up my full name, Julia Steele, but my at is Juliath and it's spelled J-O-O-L-A-I-E-T-H. Um, and then my music is on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, all the streaming services under Julia Steele, Little Blue Bedroom. And for my SoundCloud, it's also Juliath. Awesome. Thank you so much, Julia. I really appreciate it. And Thank you for being open and honest about your experience. I think, like I said before, I think it will help a lot of people, of course, whatever they're going through right now. Um, yeah, that's the goal. Yeah, exactly. So thank you. Um, and we will see you next time. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. I had a great time. Yeah. Thank, you. thank you. Bye. If you were able to join us for the whole episode, thank you so much for listening. We are so grateful to have you and hope you choose to keep listening as we continue to share stories from youth and young adults in Santa Clara County. If you would like to learn more about To Be Honest and our podcast, please visit tobehonest.today. Our website has everything from mental health education to an online screening tool, resources, and so much more. And if you are interested in being a guest on the podcast and would like to share your own experience with behavioral health, please email us at tbh.today at gmail.com. We also have all of this information in the show notes, so we hope to talk to you soon.